DJ P. Gates, 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joins us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on the Irrigation Smart Controller. Save 50% off each Smart Controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial properties zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. What's going on? Many things are happening. We'll start with the sports and the hardcore football first. We'll get to fan behavior later. Are your Aggies ready to bounce back after that three-point offensive debacle against the Broncos? So many yards, well, so I, few points. Or level of competition has gone up. The first three games are bound to look different than the next two because of the quality of opponents in uh, games four and five. Well, you certainly hope that they'll bounce back from the way that they played on Saturday. Um, I don't know if it was a 10 o'clock in the morning start. I'm sure that they have plenty of excuses for, you know, why they weren't able to move the ball offensively because for the most part in the first three games they've been able to move it. Um, I think the silver lining for Utah State right now is that South Florida was able to move the ball. They were able to move it around with a, with a mobile quarterback, which I think Peasley brings to the table. You know, I don't know, I don't know exactly what they're going to do with Logan Bonner and Peasley and how they're going to use that combination or if, if, if Bonner's totally healthy. But I think Peasley brings some things to the table that the quarterback in South Florida brought last week, and I think that they'll probably, probably try and exploit some of those things. Because I'll tell you what, when Peasley gets out in the open field, it, it's pretty impressive how, how well he can run the ball. Now, on the flip side, you, you, you go to BYU and you go, yeah, we're going to take the exact game plan that Boise State used. We're going to implement that, and we're going to lean on Utah State. We're going to be physical with them, and we're going to we're going to not turn the ball over and 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 go after them. So I I actually anticipate that both teams will play a little bit better, with the exception of the first quarter. I think it'll just be a little bit of like filling each other out, figuring out what they're going to do, and then then I think it'll be a fun football game to watch. So you're calling it? Blake Anderson needs to start Peasley, huh? No, that's <laughs> you know you know PK. No. No, don't listen. I know don't listen. Okay, get, he doesn't. You try to get you try to get people to 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 break down. Yeah, I get them to say, "I hate that school. I can't yep. stand that." School. I I see what you're doing here. I'm I'm an old veteran. I'm I'm actually turning into an old person. <laughs> I love that. Hot Rod used to always say the young rookie. <laughs> it drove me nuts, and you're the old veteran. Hey, he just said <laughs> they saw a weakness with the South Florida quarterback running around, and Peasley has that ability. The guy's got a big-time motor. So wouldn't that logically lead to the question, do you think they should start Peasley? And then he attacks me. <laughs> I'm... Somehow I'm feeling bad for Jackie right now because I feel like something just got like wrapped into this conversation that wasn't there. <laughs> Jeez. Why even try? Why? <laughs> just throw your hands up in the air. Please. I already it's did. Cold. It's such hard work. It's hard work. Jeez. So much now, for being I, listen, an inquisitive like reporter. And I, I think one of the things that I love about this game is there's a lot of good quarterbacks. I... I have been very impressed with the first and second string quarterback at both BYU and Utah State, and I, I think you have to give a lot of credit to Peasley, and you got to give a, a lot of credit to Baylor Romney. 
those two guys, and, and it's not an easy position to be in, they have been ready to go whenever their number has been called. And so if, if Utah State does do that or if, or if, or if BYU feels like that Jaron Hall's not ready to go, I, I think we're still going to see high-quality quarterbacking out of, out of both schools. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us. Uh, is BYU's offense that good and they were holding back some stuff uh, just because they didn't need it and they were trying to shorten games and they had the lead? Or that deep passing game we saw, was that a function of the opposition or the change in, at quarterback? What, what was it? Because all of a sudden BYU's <laughs> throwing the ball over the top and making big plays. Well, I personally feel like, I mean, look, I, I, there must have been something in the South Florida game plan that they saw just to call those plays. But uh, I'll be honest with you, I was very impressed with Baylor Romney. And I know I know people are going to, like, like shake their heads when I make this comparison, but I feel like he's a college version of Joe Montana. I mean, he wears number 16. He's, he's deceivingly fast. He's very accurate on the deep ball. And I was just way impressed, and I have been – since Baylor's been in the program, I know that we all fall in love with these running quarterbacks, but Baylor Romney's kind of a throwback to, to, the, to the typical pocket quarterback that we all loved and, and grew to love back in the 90s and the, and the early 2000s, right? And he's, I mean, his accuracy on the deep ball is off the charts. Just let me give you an example here. When, when, I, when I coached and when I played, I really felt like, I needed to be up in the 70 to 80 to 90% on all these short balls, right? So these quick hitches, these little bubble screens. And we didn't do as much of that when I was playing as when I was coaching, right? But I wanted my quarterbacks to be at an extremely high percentage on those so that we could get defenses to scoot up a little bit, scoot up a little bit, scoot up a little bit. And then I was super happy. This is the, this is the honest truth. I was super happy if we were like two for four on a deep ball in a game or if we were three for six. I felt like Man, we were really efficient in the deep game. And to see him throw the ball and just put on the money on these wide receivers, I, I thought it was really impressive, especially for being his first start in a while. And, uh, I, I mean, my, my, my hat goes off to him. I, I think he's a very accurate quarterback and a very capable quarterback. I can't say enough good things about Romney. And I, I liked the way Jaron Hall was playing. So I don't it, – it, it doesn't make me feel better if Jaron Hall doesn't play. I'll put it that way as a Utah State fan. So you're saying if given the opportunity to full time be a full time starter, Romney can be better than Detmer. <laughs> better than Ty Detmer? Is he, this is, is this where we're going again? I'm asking. <laughs> is he a better passer I, than Jaron Hall? I well, you said Detmer, so I, I know I was kidding. I now think, I'm being serious. Is think, he a better passer a better, than Hall? I think he's a better pure passer than Hall. I think Hall brings other – I also think Hall's a very good passer, but I think Hall brings a couple of other things to the table. So I can see why he's been named as the starter. So I, I would have – I probably would have done it the same way. But And then again, i got to point out just the ability of Aaron Roderick to develop quarterbacks right now. I mean, listen, this quarterback was prepared for that last game, and he knew exactly where he was supposed to go with the ball – um, a lot of times when I'm watching a quarterback play, I'll try and just watch his body language after he throws the ball. I can almost always tell you whether it's a completion or not. I call it, I call it confidence throws. Like when you see a quarterback throw the ball, 
there's kind of a body language and just like a reaction to the throw in the way his body looks after he throws the ball that that can tell you without looking downfield whether it's going to be a completion or not. And there was an extremely high amount of confidence throws from Baylor Romney. To me, that indicates that he knows the offense. He's been prepared during the week, and he knows where he's supposed to throw the ball. So who's going to win that game in Logan Friday night? So I've been thinking a lot about this as I'm, uh, you know, knowing that I was going to come on this phone call. I think it is really, really important for BYU to kind of like out BYU, Utah State. Like they need to be the physical team. I think James Empey and the boys up front, they really need to lean on Utah State early. They need to, they need to get a couple of scores early to give Utah State some doubt. And they really need to lean on them, not turn the ball over, play this really high-quality defense they've been able to play if they want to win. If Utah State wants to win, first of all, they need to break off the, the cobwebs of last game, and they need to get into the end zone in the first quarter, hopefully a couple of scores for Utah State in the first quarter, and turn this game into a game where it's a high-scoring affair. I think, I think the edge leans to Utah State. If this becomes a high-scoring affair, I think the edge is to BYU if it's a ball control, like limit turnovers type of game. But I think if, if Utah State gets in a shootout like they did against Air Force, if they get in a, you know, a situation where they have to score a lot of points and they're able to score a lot of points, I think they're a scary team because they get really, really confident as the game goes on. And if BYU comes out and really just leans on them and hammers them at the first part of the game and then – continues that, I think that's going to be hard for Utah State to overcome. So you went, you got your certification, I don't know what to call it, what you get your certification in, what would it be? How would you phrase it? So my degree is in sport and performance psychology, they call me a mental performance coach or a sports psychology consultant. Okay, so with that in mind, obviously Utah has had two major, major tragedies in the span of nine or ten months. Now, from the football perspective, which to a degree seems irrelevant, but nevertheless they've got games to play, if they were to employ you, given the tragedy that uh, befell, the, befell the program last week, what would you do? Well, I mean, that's a, that's a really nuanced question, and there's a lot of moving parts to that with, sure. you know, over 100 guys on a team. Yeah. But I would, I would say this. Uh, I think it's a good thing that there's a bye week this week, and I think it's a good thing for the players to be able to um, maybe sit down and go through just just some gratitude exercises. There's so much as far as the science and the research goes as far as gratitude goes, and that's not... That's not being a church lesson, but being grateful for what you have, being grateful for the relationships that you have, being grateful for the relationships that you have had. Um, It can build self-esteem. It can help with trauma. Gratitude is really, really good with trauma, which this situation is going to be a trauma to a lot of these players. And then what I would probably focus on as far as performance, and once we've had a chance to, like, Sort of. I mean, none of them are going to go through the full process of grieving this week, but sort of be able to acknowledge the grieving and the gratitude and the things that they have. Then what I would be very, very specific about if I was working with an individual player is is really just getting through each day and and having a focus on each practice where you just kind of reduce everything to like one thing that I'm going to work on today or one thing that I'm going to try and get better at today. 
instead of overwhelming yourself with all the things that you need to do because what can what can happen in these situations is when when emotions take over the frontal lobe and when emotions and grief are are overtaking your body it becomes <clears throat> difficult to focus and it becomes difficult to not uh feel and see and hear all the voices that are going on in your head and so there's going to be a lot of it pulls you in a lot of different directions and so the best way to help someone to focus is just to have them focus on one thing a day or one thing in practice or one thing in the next hour just really simplify a lot of the things that are going on I, my heart goes out to these players this is this is heavy stuff right yeah. this is someone that was like in the locker next to you this is someone you were joking with last week this is someone that you were celebrating with after the game last week and you know the finality of it is very very real and so my heart goes out to the program my heart goes out to those players especially because if you ask any football player that I know that's played division one football high school football junior high football to a T um, they don't all miss the practices but they sure miss their friends and they sure miss those relationships and so that's where this becomes really really heartfelt and, and really really hard for these players is those those relationships I mean, some of the football players I played with, I mean, we haven't seen each other in years. We'll see each other at a football game, and we're joking in the exact same manner. It's like we haven't even missed a beat. And that's some of the things that I miss the most. And, and that's one of those things that you feel like is taken away um, when a tragedy like this happens. So uh, since you said it was so nuanced, I'm curious one of the nuances, uh, because this group of people has gone through this now twice in less than a year, almost almost nine months to the day. Does that add a whole nother level to it? I mean, you talk about PTSD and that. I I would, I would think that that's got to be even more brutal. And and one standalone event like this would be brutal, but to have two in a month seems like no a, another level. No question, it's another level. And I think one of the things that I think about in in this is. Look, not everybody was best friends with this guy, right? And not everybody was best friends with Ty Jordan. And I don't mean that that you don't like him, but there's there's different people that you hang out with more on a team, especially in a team that size. Um, and so there's all there's all sorts of guilt, there's all sorts of shame, and different things that happen to people, in the sense that like, why am I not feeling worse about this? Or there's just all these nuanced parts of grief where we have this picture of what grief is supposed to look like for us. And then when it doesn't look like that picture, we wonder if something's wrong with us, right? And we wonder if something's wrong with our systems. And typically there's nothing wrong with the people that are grieving. They're just grieving in different ways. And then there's the whole interlaced and nuanced picture of feeling like other people should grieve the same way that you grieve, right? And, and looking at that and making judgments on other people on, on whether they're grieving the way you think they should grieve. And so that's where it gets really nuanced, right? And then when you make your own comparison yourself, like why did I feel worse about Ty's death than I do about Aaron's death? Or why do I feel worse about this one than I did about the last one? Or do I, or do they feel the same? It, it just becomes confusing and sometimes difficult to unpack. That's, that's, that's why it's nuanced, right? Is there's just a lot of different feelings that go into this. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Hey, 
Thanks for letting me come on the show, man. Um, hey, one, I got one. I do have one more thing for you on a much lighter okay, note than we okay. just hit there. Uh, I am curious think. because you've gone to so many Utah State games. We got a question here about what BYU fans should expect if they go to Logan for the game, you know, and if they've gone to Utah and all that. And it came down to uh, some Aggie fans uh, and, and BYU fans being upset that both are church members, but they're at each other's throats over the rivalry. How does that work in the Cash Valley? Utah State fans getting upset with the BYU fans who live in the Cache Valley because you live there. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting – I mean, you have to remember, you know, uh, just I grew up not far from the campus. I mean, I was like three or four blocks from the campus in Logan, and then um, I moved to Salt Lake when I was 14. But, I mean, there's professors, there's, there's people who are members of the Mormon Church who graduated from BYU or right there in the Cache Valley, and it is – it is a little bit of a source of contention. There is some, there is some resentment in Cache Valley for people who live in Logan that are BYU fans. There, there, there's, it's palpable. And I remember, I remember just knowing as a young kid who the BYU fans were in the neighborhood that lived in Logan, and it was like, huh, I wonder why, why do they do that, <laughs> you know? And then, you know, and then there was my my own thought processes where. I really cheered for BYU at every game except for Utah State growing up. And, um, you know, as far as, like, um, the, 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 the competition or the thought process of that going on in the stadium, I mean, look, Utah State doesn't have as many fans as the University of Utah, but they're passionate and they're, they're very emotional about their team. So I don't expect to be, you know, like a level down, like, oh, we're going to be super, super, like, super kind if if Utah State's getting beat really bad up there. But I also think that Utah State fan in and of itself, they, they try to be kind to the opposing teams. But the BYU game, it just kind of it, it amps it up a little bit. The emotions will be on the sleeves of Utah State fans, no question about it. Thank you, Riley. We appreciate it. Take care, guys. Have a great day. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More on the question of the day. If you're just joining us, we will get to that coming up. A lot of you uh, weighing in on this. Can visiting BYU fans expect better treatment from Utah or Utah State fans? We'll get to that. Stay with us.